up your pant legs, zip up your hats, and pop in a couple of yellow contact lenses and put on some novelty Halloween elf ears. It's time for Sounds About Light, a podcast about Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. I'm Sam North. I'm Drew Norted. Um, I don't think those are contact lenses, Sam. Are you suggesting that Xehanort um, just... <laughs> He, he magically creates contact lenses for everybody that, that needs yellow eyes? No, I'm suggesting that the only way for me to achieve my lifelong dream of getting Norded is to get yellow contact lenses. Oh, okay. If I was lucky enough to live in Kingdom Hearts, then I could get Norded for real and I wouldn't need the contact. Well, it sounds like you just need to work on like manifesting, you know? I have worked on, what is it, sliding? Shifting. I've been trying to shift. I've been sliding uh, into Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, you trying to get into the Kingdom Hearts loaf. I'll just, I'll just say, though, I'll just say this right now. We have no evidence that Xehanort's not giving people yellow contact lenses. Could be giving them little elf ears, too. Maybe that's the titular missing link. <laughs> Could be. I mean, he's making the black cloaks. Um, or Diz made the black Somebody made those black cloaks. Oh, boy. Do we not? Have we not learned that yet? Well... I thought we talked about it, but I don't. I guess I just know that they have them. Yep. Okay. I'll tell you right now. I don't know who makes those, but they there's a long and storied history to those cloaks. So there's like a closet full of them somewhere. <laughs> there must be. <laughs> it's in, somewhere in uh uh the oh I can't think of what it's called the castle that makes your brain go bad that was actually just nominee I guess. Oh, Castle Oblivion. Castle Oblivion, thank you. <laughs> that castle made my brain go bad, I, and it never was restored. A thing I, I, sorry, we should get into it, but before that, a thing I realized watching it this time is I remember a lot, most, I think, pretty pretty well the events and, and the stuff like that. I do not remember the names of places in Kingdom Hearts ever. Mm. Um, I don't know what it is about the naming convention for the worlds, but they just slide off my brain. For example, the beginning of my notes today says... Oh, cool, we're back at the Riku Fight Tower. <laughs> the Riku Memorial Skyscraper. Yeah. Uh, Although, you know, I say that, it is, it is actually called Memories Skyscraper. Oh. I mean, technically... It's the Memorial scri- Skyscraper, but it's memorial in just the broad sense that it's about remembering things. Right. I guess I should have wrote Riku Roxas Fight Tower, but anyway, it's it, there we are, so... Yeah. Uh, also, I think, um, Zenmas. no, I was going to make a joke about Shion, but it wouldn't have been lore accurate. Who? Who? There we go. That works. <laughs> <laughs> Sora lands at the Memorial Fight Skyscraper and wonders, why is he here? He's pretty sure that he's out of the realm of sleep. Yeah, hey, what the but fuck? But he also looks like his little baby self. He does. Um, great question. Great question. I still don't entirely understand how he got here. To be honest, no, I don't think we've been. I don't, I don't know think, that we ever will. I don't. But, oh, did they never actually really say? I mean, they say it, the the literal mechanics of what actually happened here are pretty murky, and I think that that's probably for the best. Hmm. Okay. Uh, speaking of the best, hey, what's the matter, sleepyhead? Woo! It's Zigbar. It's the second best character in Kingdom Hearts behind Pete. Yay! Uh, yeah, and he starts, uh, for no reason, the way that he makes his entrance is by trying to snipe Sora. I just keep him on his toes. I, I'm pretty sure he knows that's not going to kill Sora. 
I mean, what a what a plot twist it would be if he was like, hey there, and sort of just drops dead. Ah, shit. He'd get in a lot of trouble well, for that, actually, because there's, there's big pl- so. they got big plans for that boy. Yeah, boy, do they. Uh, here's a weird fun fact that I think I was vaguely aware of this, but it didn't really occur to me until watching it this time. We saw the secret ending of Recoded, which was after they beat the organization and everyone wakes up on the floor of Ansem's lab. Mm-hmm. And Brake was there, and he had the shoulder-length black hair that we remember from Birth by Sleep. But right. now he's Zigbar again, and he's got his, like, gray and black-streaked ponytail. Well, time travel? Well, this is this is just something that's worth keeping in mind for various reasons, is that when somebody becomes a nobody, and then later they unbecome a nobody they become a somebody once again they regenerate into the form that they were in when their heart was popped out except for xehanort didn't right like because he turned young again instead of old we'll get to that okay <laughs> i'll just say you you are incorrect about something but i won't say what it is just well i mean yet. i guess they kind of said where that xehanort came from i guess i don't know why he was there then yeah believe me i was i was at the brain gym all day trying to prepare for explaining that so i guess the old man xehanort must have popped out and ran out of the room really fast (sighs) we'll we'll get to that probably next week we'll get to that but maybe this week we'll see where we're at okay um zigbar starts uh very literally explaining the plot to sora i think he actually uses the phrase like I think he says something about, like, filling in some plot holes or something like that. Well, he, yeah, he does say, you must be wondering about your revised itinerary. I jacked it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sora is here because the exam, from the very beginning, the organization had thrown it off course, and they've just been leading Sora to their design this whole time. How did they do it? Don't ask questions, I guess. They pushed him into a dream hole, maybe. I don't know. They yeah. did it. Yeah, well, little this it's a little hand wavy. Well, that's the thing is I couldn't decide. I'm like, is it hand wavy or am I just being impatient and I need to wait to figure stuff out? I think part of part of what makes Dream Drop Distance work and also not work is that because so much of what happens here is literally happening in dreams, right? They can be a lot like loosey goosey with it in a way that they can't always. So things things are pretty muddy here in terms of what actually happened. What did this character do to this other character to make this happen? We'll probably never know, and I think we're all we're supposed to understand is like, ah, eh, you know, it happened in dreams. Yeah, I think that um that I really like this game so far. Actually, I think this is maybe my favorite one, and it <laughs> it isn't even just for the jokey reason that Dream Eaters are cute, and there's a lot of like goofy <laughs> stuff happening. I just think it's like maybe the most interesting the series has been up to this point. Um, I would agree with that. Uh, but I think that they have like a tone issue, which is that most of the game doesn't feel that dreamlike. You know, I guess there's the reality shifting stuff that I didn't see too much, but it just doesn't. F- you know, there it, it's kind of just like they. They seem mostly like normal Kingdom Hearts worlds most of the time. Every once in a while, some dream stuff happens, but it isn't happening mm-hmm. consistently enough, I think, for, for it to really work for me. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think a great example of that is the first world that they go to in the Realm of Sleep is Traverse Town, which is basically not a dream. It's like, this is the world that, like, sank into the Realm of Sleep. Okay, sure. 
But none of the characters who are here are like manifestations of a dream in any way. They're just people who have like taken refuge in Traverse Town in the realm of sleep. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And then because then are they actually in Sora's dream then, supposedly? I don't think so. Yeah, that, and that's where... In, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Yeah, I think that for me is the part that doesn't work, even though, again, I think this has been a lot of fun. So Yeah, I mean, like, even the Disney worlds, they don't really take the form of dreams. They take the exact same form that they always do, which is just abridged retellings of the stories of the movies that they're based on. Yeah, the only difference is people don't have the history with Sora anymore. Yeah, and there's the weird sort of, like, splitting of the plot where, like, things will happen in one world that don't happen in the other. Like, the fact that, like, Sora and Riku experience two different versions of the hunchback scene with the fire and the and the the, yeah. the cathedral. That's right. I think it, it could also be easy to forget that Riku's around um, <laughs> until now. Like, his stuff has just been very inconsequential up until this point. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, I think... I think the stuff about it that is dreamlike is just the fact that a lot of what happens plot-wise is very abstract. Like, what we learn here from, from Zigbar is that Sora was intercepted, Sora and Riku, when they were sent back in time to the Destiny Islands, which I'm pretty sure we've already established and we don't need to get into mm-hmm. the madness that is that. They were sent back in time to the night the Destiny Islands fell to darkness Ansem's Heartless, the brown bag, was waiting there for them, intercepted them, and pushed them, instead of into the realm of sleep as was intended, into the realm of sleep, but they're watching him? Oh, is that the difference? Did they, like, in, like, uh, Traverse Town push him from the realm of sleep just directly into his own dreams or something? Is that... No, I, no, Cause no. because oh, no. he did it when okay. he entered at the very beginning. Never mind. Yeah, that that's right. It's coming back to me. Yeah, the only thing that at the start was changed by Xehanort and company is that his heartless. We'll get to exactly what he did, but he he basically put a tracker on Sora in a way. Oh. Yeah, that's right. We, that's we do get what to messed that. with the exam, and Riku had a reaction to that that we'll get to later. But the main thing that happened at the beginning is just that they enabled the organization to like follow them around and mess with them as they go. That, but the the yeah. bulk of the exam of going to the worlds and uh, unlocking or locking, I don't remember, the sleeping keyholes... That is exactly what it was supposed to be in the first place. Oh, okay. The way they talked made me feel like that they had also made that not happen the way it was supposed to. Yeah, it's it's confusing, huh? <laughs> yeah. So really they just messed up. They just they were able to walk around and I guess make fun of him a couple times and and then they were able to influence how he got out of it. Right. They're like doing neurolinguistic programming on him. They're just <laughs> trying to get in his head and sort of you know, we can just sort of lower his self-esteem, basically. Points to Blade. <laughs> They're basically just softening him up for a boss fight later. It's more or less what we are getting at. But there, there is other stuff going on that we'll get to in a bit. But Z- Z- uh, Zigbar, rather, tells Sora that Mr. Robe Guy, the, the reason that he was on the Destiny Islands at the very beginning when he met Sora in the cave and talked in Billy Zane's voice before he got recast <laughs> is that he needed to be on the island 
so that when they time travel back to the island in a year plus, he can push Sora and, like, trip him or whatever. (laughs) Right. Yeah, because this is when they reveal, like, no, we knew you were going to do this test, and it was all a setup for when you did this test. And Sora says... Sora says, that's ridiculous. That's too perfect, he says. (laughs) And Zigbar says, yes. Yeah, but... But here we are. But you got owned, though. <laughs> you can't deny that we did get you. Uh, he points out to Sora, like, you think that you're out of the realm of sleep, but note that you are still in your dream form. You're your younger self. You got the red and black dream drop distance outfit. And then he says something that I really don't know what to make of it, which is there is no longer a difference between reality and dreams. And I think that that's just him trying to get in Sora's head. I think that's just him... Because Sora's actually asleep still, right? Isn't that what actually is happening? Because we, we see Riku find him. I think that I think that he will be put to sleep. I think right now he's awake. Oh, you're right, because a thing happens. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah, something will happen. Yeah. Oh, it happens right here, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Sora stances up. He's, he's going to fight Zigbar. Zigbar comments on that angry look, which we now know is him calling back to Ventus, glaring at him. He warps away, and Xehanort, young Xehanort, plus... Eleven hooded black coat guys appear around Sora, making a total of 13, classic number. 13 including Zigbar. So, and Sora, yeah. Uh, oh, you're right, actually. 13 not including Zigbar. It doesn't... <laughs> that's right, we're not at 13 yet. Uh, and Xehanort puts Sora to sleep. And we enter a sequence that is all first person, which is unusual for Kingdom Hearts. It It is pretty surreal, and I do think that this is a pretty cool sequence. I do. Um, I do really quick want to say one thing Sora said that I thought was good. Please. Which is after Zigbar says, there's no real for streams anymore, just you, us, and this. Sora says, I see. Acting like he knows what he, <laughs> acting like he knows what's going on, but he's just doing the thing I do and I don't understand something, which is, you know, uh-huh. which you yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I get it. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. Cool. See ya. Yep. Got it. I'm going to fight you now. Um, <laughs> uh, Sora opens his eyes on the Destiny Islands, and we get a very funny-looking shot of young Xehanort looking across the water. We've seen this before. We saw it at the beginning of Birth by Sleep. Uh, but now we see old brown bag, heartless Ansem just, like, sliding along the beach it's, towards him. It's the funniest shot in Kingdom Hearts, I think. Which is, yeah, Xehanort with his back to you, and the stinky bag just kind of, like, sliding along the beach. I've always found that the stinky bag, it 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 feels, like, kind of stylistically different from where Kingdom Hearts goes. Because it's a little bit Disney. It's like yeah. the proportions are kind of cartoony and silly looking. Yeah, you could see it, like, in, like, The Sword in the Stone or something, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Uh, and let me tell you, it does not look good in motion. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um, yeah, this whole scene is very, very funny. Um, Although, I say it doesn't look good. In in the same way, it looks great. Right. Um, uh, yeah, he creeps over to Xehanort, and then Sora turns to the left and sees another Xehanort, this one wearing a black cloak, just monologuing to him. Yeah, he says one thing I thought that was important, which was he cast away his bodily form just to set me on the appointed path. Yes, and by he, he means his own future self. Yes, which made me start to think, like, okay, is Brown Bag Ansem that we're seeing here... Is he actually continuous in the storyline with the Ansem that gets fought in Kingdom Hearts 1? Because if he is, 
and he knew it was coming, it feels like he wouldn't do the events of Kingdom Hearts 1. So I can tell you the exact timeline because I have purchased it <laughs> in the form of the Kingdom Hearts Ultimania. The I believe it's called the Xehanort Experience Timeline or mm-hmm. the, the Xehanort Experience Record. That's it. So here is... I mean, I could fucking walk through the whole thing right now if you want me to. Well, I feel like I need to probably get to the end of the game before you do that. Uh, I don't think so. Oh. Well, here's what I'll tell you. Okay, so I'll I'll pick up where we left off in Birth by Sleep. So, Old Man Xehanort, Master Xehanort is what he's typically called, has taken over Terra's body and become Terra Xehanort. That man loses his memories and becomes Apprentice Xehanort, working for Ansem. Right. We know this. Apprentice Xehanort works with the other apprentices and does his little mutiny. Ansem is kicked out of the castle and becomes Diz, and they all pop their hearts out and become the organization, the founding members of the organization. That we know from Kingdom Hearts 2. Now, at that point, Apprentice Xehanort's Heartless, that is brown bag Ansem. Right. And as we will learn in a little bit, a heart who has been decoupled from its physical form is sort of unshackled from time. Apparently. And if you know this, you can travel through time within your own timeline. Which means that Brown Bag Ansem, Xehanort's Heartless, is free to jump back to his teenage days on the Destiny Islands as a normal guy. Wait, so, but wasn't he the Brown Bag? Sorry, he he jumps back to talk to, to himself. Yeah, talk to himself, who is a normal guy. And I guess he knows to do this because it happened to him. Mm, yes and no. Okay. This is this is all part of the master plan. Yeah. Okay. It just it just feels like I guess, and you know, maybe it's going to become more clear. It just feels like Ansem from Kingdom Hearts One, and obviously this is because they hadn't written the whole story yet when they wrote Kingdom Hearts One. It doesn't feel like Ansem from Kingdom Hearts One would be in on the master plan of Xehanort's. Because he ended up being wrong behind what was behind the door, and it killed him. And it didn't. So it, didn't that see, is something it did not seem like is, it was part of his plan. <laughs> that is something that is interesting and messy, and I think intentionally so about Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, and Xehanort, or, uh, uh, Xemnas. God, mm-hmm. it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. It's so hard sometimes. I'm doing my best. Is that we know from Xemnas that he didn't have all of Master Xehanort's memories. That's why he went down to, like, sort of attune himself to the Chamber of Email and look at Aqua's armor and try to remember what he's forgotten. Right. But we also know that they they have some of their memories because, you know, Apprentice Xehanort, he does, like, do this mutiny. He starts looking into all this stuff about hearts and darkness so there is clearly a part of him that remembers who he was. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have full access to the master plan, but he does seem to have something in him that is telling him, this is what I need to do, even if he doesn't fully understand it. And I think that that sort of disconnect is what leads to him sort of barking up the wrong tree of collecting the seven princesses of heart and trying to open the door to kingdom hearts that way, which I think master Xehanort would probably have told him don't, I mean like you can try it, but it probably won't work. 
Yeah, and I guess also it seems like part of the master plan is actually for Ansem to die and for Zenmus to die so that Xanor could come back together. So maybe, and then, and they also, I guess, want to power up Sora. So maybe it was all just a big training montage for Sora. <laughs> That's... That's where I'm a little less sure. When we get into the questions of what exactly was Xehanort, the old man, expecting to happen, that's where I'm a little bit hazier. I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure if he counted on losing his memories. I don't know if he counted on a version of himself that doesn't really know what he's doing, splitting himself into a heartless and a and a nobody. But even if he didn't count on it, I think it... It worked out in his favor, you know? Yeah, I guess... Ansem and Xemnas were never going to win. They were always going to lose, and then he was going to reform. I guess, yeah, he just he just kind of made a lot of plans, and hopefully one of them was going to work out. It does, it does yes. feel like... Yeah. and we will learn more about Master Xehanort as we go, and we will learn that that is very much part of his whole deal, is I'm just going to try everything. I mean, that was what... Even in Birth by Sleep, that was what he was up to, was he was like... Yeah, I'm going to see if I can get Ventus, uh, a heart of pure light, to clash with the Heartless and form the Keyblade. No? Okay, well, forget that then. You know, it was worth a shot, but it didn't work. Let's take Venetus out and see if I can get something to happen there. Yeah, that's true. And then and then when, it, when all else failed, he was just like, I guess I'm going to hijack this teen's heart, so. Yes, and next week we will learn in more detail how this plan is supposed to work because stuff stuff's going on here yeah um the only other thing that i want to say on the timeline at this point is that after brown bag ansem goes back to his youth on the destiny islands talks to his younger self he and this is this is something that i part of the reason that i was doing all this research and digging through all the official lore books is I really want to know if we know anything about what I'm about to say, or if this is just one of those things where it's like, this is what happened, deal with it. (laughs) He meets his younger self and shares his time travel power with him, enabling young Xehanort to travel through time within his own timeline. Why can he do that? I don't know. I have a theory, because I can't find any actual explanation of why that works, or how he did that. Here is what I think. So this is all to do with the sort of continuum of time, which means that when a person's heart comes out of their body and they become unchained from the timeline, that effect ripples throughout your timeline. Right. So what I think that means is that if you lose your heart ever, then no matter where you are in your timeline, you are a person whose heart has been separated from their body so it's like the switch has flipped no matter which version of yourself you are no matter when you are that is a fact about you you are unchained from time and that's why sora Sora could time travel through dreams because he lost his heart i believe so and i think that also applies to riku because riku's heart was pushed out of his body by ansem in the first game oh yeah okay sure just in a in a different way that meant that he didn't have a heartless and a nobody well you got to be told that you can do that (laughs) If you don't know that that's how it works, then it doesn't. Yeah, fair. Um, But what I think, and I don't know this for sure, but what I think is that all it takes is Brownbag Ansem going back in time, meeting his younger self and saying, hey, 
you are unchained from the timeline. You can do that. Go for it. Okay. All right. Yeah, that may be. I guess I can buy that. Um, I don't know if I like it, but I, I think that you're... I don't I, know if I like it either. <laughs> I think you're probably right that that's what's happening. I don't think I like... It just feels... It, it doesn't feel like in theme to me for the metaphor for life and death they've set up so far, but maybe I gotta, no. maybe I gotta think about it more. Maybe. I have always personally believed that time travel is the uh, secret spice that Kingdom Hearts really, really didn't need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I'll try to reserve my judgment until I've seen how it's all executed. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, there are plot events that happen because of time travel that I find absolutely ridiculous in the best way. Okay. So so good stuff is coming. For now, it's a little bit of like a, uh, I don't know if we really needed this, I don't know if this is really helping. I, we'll never know what Kingdom Hearts would have been if time travel hadn't been introduced. But we will very much know what it is when time travel is introduced. And boy... Yeah, and hey, I, I love a good time travel story. Um, there's there's a lot of bad ones, but I love good ones. So yeah, um, we'll see if this is one of them. Um, so Brown Bag Ansem, after sending his right. younger self on his way, the next funny thing happens. Well, just on a timeline note. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't know if this was clear from these cutscenes. He basically just hid in a cave for like eighty years. Why didn't he? Oh, he had to, right? Because he wasn't there yet. So he just sat in a cave for Okay. Oh, yeah, because he had talked to... Because people say, like, sometimes you'll hear, like, a, a creep talk to you from the cave, right? Yeah. So, like, he could travel forward to where he came from, when he came from. But then he won't be on the island when Sora and Riku leave on their journey. He had to be there. And he doesn't necessarily know when it's going to happen. He just needs to make sure that there is a long, continuous timeline of him on that island which also by the way enables effectively time travel to any point in time so he just hung out in a cave for like 80 years or he could have at least jumped forward to when ventus got brought to the island Ooh, he could do that i don't know if he knows that that happens hmm. maybe yeah it's possible it's possible that he didn't know that he had done that yeah maybe that's true yeah he doesn't have all his memories yeah i don't know uh Oh, I did just remember one more thing that I wanted to say because we put a pin in this weeks ago. I mean, months ago now. Um, the first thing that young Xehanort does when he jumps forward in time is he jumps forward to the land of departure where his elderly self is hanging out and he fights Ventus, Terra, or Aqua in a secret boss fight widely regarded as the worst in the history of Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, he had no reason to do that. It doesn't seem like... I don't think there was really any reason that he did that. I think that was just him wanting to see who he'd be fighting in this Keyblade War, who, who like, defeated his older self, maybe. Yeah, we never really get an explanation of why that happened. But there there are some little clues uh, in Birth by Sleep with that fight that that was a time traveler. Uh, I think the Keyblade that you get for beating him uh, has, like, clock... Uh, symbols all over it or something like that yeah that that sounds I, well i don't remember but that sounds right yeah so that was young xehanort there you go great okay cool i think i get it now i get that part at least <laughs> uh anyway now this anyway, so xehanort is monologuing to sora yes yes and sora looks over at him and looks away from the stinky bag 
and that was a and bad then he choice. Gets jump scared by a stinky bag. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's a very and he funny. He falls asleep again. <laughs> I love the effect of like uh, sleepy waves coming off of the bag, and then it, and then he falls back <laughs> asleep. Um, my notes here say I, that this is the cool FPS part, like in the Doom movie. Oh, I haven't seen that, but that's really cool that they did that, and it's cool that they did that here. Yeah, I'm sure they were very inspired by Doom with Carl Urban and um, The Rock. <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> this is this is a kind of cool part, though, because uh, over the course of the game, obviously, Sora and Riku have been going through this cycle of waking up, doing some stuff, and then falling asleep. I like that now, as Sora is, like, really in the clutches of the villains, that cycle has just, like, accelerated really, really fast. Yeah. No, this part actually feels dreamlike and cool. I wish this was more of what had been happening. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, he he now watches himself uh, from, you know, sort of out of body, his younger self chasing Ansem into the secret place. This is when... Uh, he found Kyrie in there and absorbed her heart. Uh, younger Xehanort explains that in order to travel through time, you have to leave your body behind. And Ansem set all of this in motion by doing that. He says Ansem didn't, a- Ansem Seeker of Darkness, Heartless Brown Bag, of course, didn't know everything that would happen, but he knew enough. And for him to make all of this happen was actually simple. And he never elaborates on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking it was about, actually really easy for me. It's super easy. Any any idiot could do it. Uh, I was thinking more about the heart thing and why I can travel through time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has to do with how hearts are kind of where memories are too. So like mm. your heart, your your heart's always your heart, no matter what time period you're in. And guess it's just the I, yeah. That's only I can think of. Like your heart's always your heart, so it can show up anywhere your heart is. Because of the chain of yeah. because of the chain of memories, I don't know. That's like yeah, there's something to that. I mean, it just even just thinking of it in terms of like Kingdom Hearts, the sort of amalgamation of all hearts is this like all powerful thing that like defines our reality. I think I think it makes sense to say that hearts sort of exist at their own level, and they sort of come down to our level to have a body around them. There's, I think that I think there's a sort of logic to that. Yeah, it's like a, it's a continuous thing that exists at all points in your life, so it can show mm-hmm. up at any point in your life. I guess I can like buy that. All right. Yeah. You know, your your body is made of atoms and molecules that are always cycling in and out, and uh, you know we're we're breathing Julius Caesar right now. Mm-hmm. But your heart doesn't do that because it's magic. Yeah, it's the the soul or something. Or something. Well, no, the soul is something different in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. I don't ever want to get into that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's your soul's That's memory. the last thing we need right it's now. It's your soul's memory? I don't know. Sora falls asleep again. He wakes up in Traverse Town. He watches himself alongside dozens of other Soras falling from the sky. Xehanort hangs the most offensive lampshade here when he's like, You've been here before many times relived again and again like deja vu and i'm like dude i know you don't don't fucking draw attention to it (laughs) he like specifically calls out like you came here after the destiny islands fell you came here in castle oblivion you came here in the datascape i'm like i know don't mention that yeah it's not good um i paid for it every time this is actually them um foreseeing 
it looks, you know, what this reminded me of is like any battle royale where you drop into the map, and so this is definitely <laughs> this is the the Sora skin in Fortnite. Uh huh. Sora is thanking the Dream Driver. Yeah. <laughs> the Dream Dropper. The Dream Dropper. Yeah. Fuck. They they could do a Dream Drop battle royale. Hmm. I mean, Sora's already in Smash. They they're probably gonna put him in Fortnite. No, I'm saying you make a separate game that's the Kingdom Hearts battle royale. Oh. And it's kind of like a hero shooter too. So you can like be like Sora and you got his abilities, or you can be Zigbar and you got portals and guns, you know, like you're like playing out the Keyblade War from the Keyblade Graveyard. Sure. And you're just like So maybe it's <laughs> one of thousands of Keyblade wielders dying. Maybe it's more Metal Gear Online, I guess. I don't know, but yeah. They'll probably do that. Yeah, sure. Now that you've said it, it'll happen. I bet they could make a lot of money, uh or none, I guess. That's kinda how those games go. I bet I'd play it and never pay for it because I'm a true fan, but also I have a lot of self-control. Same. Um, so this is this is a cool part because Sora is like sort of watching the events that he hasn't seen in Traverse Town, like happening in fast motion, kind of like he sees Mickey run through the town, probably looking for Leon. Mickey, like, goes through a door, Donald and Goofy show up, a star goes out in the sky, they turn a corner, now they're look- Now they're going another way, and Pluto is getting separated from them, he starts following Pluto, and as he chases after Pluto, he hears a muffled Riku trying to wake him up. Yeah. Hmm. And on a gameplay note, at this point in the cutscene, when you fall asleep, it is an actual drop, and you switch to Riku. Nice. This is a this is an interesting part. I'm kind of surprised they made it work as well as they did because Sora and Riku's stories have been n- not necessarily in sync at all up to this point. Like you could be stuck in the first boss fight in Traverse Town as Sora and like halfway through the game as Riku, I'm pretty sure. Maybe there might be like checkpoints throughout to be like don't leave the third world till they're all completed or something, but to some extent, you can kind of go at a different pace from character to character. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. They, they did a pretty good job here making this sequence of events kind of sync up regardless of how you approach it. Because, like, I think if you get here as Riku first, he can progress, like, a little bit into this world, and then he, like, falls asleep automatically, and you can't progress until you progress Sora but it's also like I don't know they they didn't really force the sink that hard at points. It's it's kind of interesting, but right. also hard to explain. Because if you got behind his Riku, it could make sense because you're like, well, Sora's been sleeping for a while, right? But yeah, there there's like points throughout this world where it's like Riku can't progress until Sora has, and then Sora can't progress until has. But yeah, I think I think it works pretty well. Uh, the cutscenes that we watched were not in the order that I experienced them, but it worked just as well, which I thought was cool. Huh. Um, so Riku arrives, and similarly, he wonders why he's in his little boy form. Is he still in the realm of sleep? What's going on? He looks Uh, like he's in, like, a Halo elevator level. Oh, yeah. So he actually lands in the castle itself, the organization's old base. And, yeah, it is very just, like, gray blocks and walls. It it does kind of look like a Halo elevator level. It, It makes me think of, like, the one where you're the Arbiter and you've got that, like... Uh, the brutes flying the little spaceship behind you, and you're like clearing off flood on an elevator. That's what it looks like to me. Oh man, I don't know if I remember. It's been so it's, long. It's a Halo since 2 I played level. Halo Two. Yeah, well, two. Yeah, yeah, two. Okay, that was always my favorite. Halo Three. 
didn't do it for me. Not as good, but I still like it, but not as good as two. Uh, but that's that's everything that I remember about Halo, so I can't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I do want to talk about the reality shifts because it's different in every world. I want to talk about the reality shift in the world that never was. Uh, Riku's is called Mirage Split. Sora's is called Nightmare's End, but it's the same thing. Uh, there's a little mini game, as with all the other ones, and then they summon two Keyblades. Riku's is black and rainbow with a token of a heart with a devil wing growing off of it. Sora's is golden rainbow with a heart and an angel wing token. The guards are shaped like sort of rectangular kind of puzzle pieces that slot together into one big giant rainbow keyblade that they then swing around to destroy an obstacle. It is officially called the Combined Keyblade. The fan name for it is the Gay Blade. <laughs> yeah. The token, when combined, their two hearts join into a Paupu fruit. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get why people... <laughs> If people would like led with this when they're talking about why they ship like Riku and Sora, <laughs> I might like buy into it a little more. See, this is weird because I am of the opinion that the Sora Kyrie romance is like blatantly canonical, which does not mean that I think it's like better than Sora and Riku. That's just I think that that's what they are trying to do. But I'm like a hundred percent sure that the person who designed this Keyblade is a Soriku shipper. It feels like it. Yeah, it feels like you wouldn't because. I mean, to to quote the internet, there is no heterosexual explanation for this Keyblade. Yeah, I mean, you could say power of friendship, which Sora loves to say, but I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Pau fruit doesn't have to be romantic. It just means that you will be like, like your destiny will be intertwined with someone forever. That could be a friendship thing. This Keyblade does not feel like that. No. I love this Keyblade. I don't I don't care about the ships one way or the other. I think this Keyblade is fantastic. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely I mean like, you know, the only other combined Keyblade we've seen is the Keyblade, which sucks. And this is much and so <laughs> it's certainly better than the Keyblade. Yeah. So I, I yeah, not bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's unclear how much this Keyblade actually exists because like it's never addressed. <laughs> Oh, right. It just, it's like, there's not a scene where they're like, hey, remember when we made that big, cool Keyblade? <laughs> yeah, it's just in Dreams. It, yeah, it is only in Dreams, only in uh, gameplay that doesn't even appear in cutscenes. Like, I had to find a GIF to show you it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and they, they, like, swing it together. Like, if you're playing as Riku, there's, like, a sort of flickery Dream Sora that appears next to him, and they, like, swing it around in unison. Yeah, because it's got both, like, cross guards. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. I do like it. Yeah. Uh, Riku eventually finds Sora asleep in a bubble, and he is surrounded by, sort of in the same way that we saw from his perspective, he was like chasing Pluto. There's just like people walking away from him in these like dreams that are floating around him. Like Riku and Kyrie are walking away from him. Roxas is walking away from him. Donald and Goofy are walking away from him. So we get this idea that like, Sora is trapped in a bubble of dreams where he's just being pulled in every direction, trying to catch up to his friends. Right. And that's a deception. We've all had that dream. I've had similar dreams for sure. And then there's one that floats by, but he's chasing a toilet. <laughs> and, then, and then there's one where his teeth fall out. <laughs> uh and there's one that's just a, a weird anxiety stealth section where he just needs to keep his stealth meter in unseen or he'll, like, have a breakdown. That's just real life. That's not a dream. 
<laughs> uh, we then get uh, okay. Riku tries to pull him out of the bubble, and you know he we we hear the audio that Sora was hearing, but we hear it directly from Riku. Uh, we'll we'll hear more of it uh, on Sora's side in a bit. But yeah, he's like, Sora, get out of there. Don't follow them, etc. And waves of darkness start to emanate from Sora, which become a black coat guy with a shadow face, big bright red eyes, and a dream eater insignia on the back. This is called the anti-black coat. It's one of the worst boss fights of my life. He's a big... He's a big Jawa with cool purple stuff on his robes. He is kind of a big tribal tats Jawa. Yes. Uh, and we get a real badass clunker of a line from Riku. What was it? Are you what's trapping him in that nightmare? Because if you are, oh yeah, I'm what nightmares fear. Not his best. Not your best work. Don't worry. Nobody heard that. That's true, actually. <laughs> uh he fights and wins uh after a hundred tries if you're me um riku resumes trying to get sora to wake up don't don't let the dreams lead you into an endless abyss sora like disappears in this moment and the world around riku starts like flickering weirdly hmm yeah that's right i don't really know what to make of that this is what i mean when i'm like a lot of this i don't know what it literally means i think that to what you were saying before the this part does feel like a dream. Just like weird stuff is happening. Yeah. I guess I guess maybe this part wouldn't have been as impactful if the whole game had felt like this. I think they could have found a better balance, though. Yeah, I think it should have just been getting gradually weirder or something. I guess it kind of does, but not really. I mean, it only gets weirder in terms of, oh, Three Musketeers. Interesting choice. <laughs> oh, Mickey drowned. <laughs> oh, Mickey's fucking dead. Oh, I guess not. Goofy's in a guillotine off screen. Mickey got punched in the face. <laughs> That's weird. Oh. Uh, but yeah, the world starts like flickering around Riku. It's like the castle, then it's the skyscraper. And Riku just st- sort of wonders aloud, is Sora still stuck in his nightmare? And old Ansem Seeker of Darkness shows up and says that Sora has fallen into the chasm of dreams and can no longer be awoken. Sure thing. He then does some kind of, like, verbal gymnastics, and is like, dreams hold memories. Yeah, uh-huh, okay. Well, sleep has dreams in it. Yeah, okay, with me so far. Mm-hmm. And you go to sleep in the dark, which means, technically, you would have to agree that Sora has fallen to darkness, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I was like, I don't think that all follows, man. I guess it makes sense in a very literal words way. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon way. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. But uh, yeah, I, is that supposed to be real? I I think kind of. Here's here's what I think, because this is another one of those things that as of right now and hopefully forever, we haven't really gotten into what this literally means, but... We know that the realm of darkness is sort of, like, lurking under the surface of everything. We know that, like, when, you know, they, they like, often equate, like, a deep ocean with the realm of darkness. Like, if you sink down far enough, you're in the realm of darkness, kind of. Right. I think, I think that, on the one hand, what he's saying is that Sora is in a place where we can very easily manipulate him. Sure. But I think I think he might also be saying that like the deepest deepest parts of the realm of sleep 
are sort of the realm of sleep side of the realm of darkness maybe 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 okay yeah maybe (laughs) i mean they had to go they had to like cut through the realm of darkness to get to the realm of sleep didn't they or something Uh, yeah that's right i don't think i don't think so but no it was it was the destiny islands fell asleep they got into the realm of sleep through there and then they went elsewhere in okay yeah, that's right. I, no, that that was wrong, but <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that, that it's a little tough to follow. It certainly is, and that's why I think that the uh, the final part of Dream Drop Distance is, in many ways, the best part of the game and the worst part of the game. <laughs> but I lean more toward best. Yeah, I was saying, I think this part's really cool, but I'm also, there are certain things that just don't really work. I, no. Uh, so Ansem points out to Riku that he's not back to his own reality and says, why don't you think about that for a little bit? And Riku finally puts it all together. This whole time, he has been trapped in Sora's dreams. That's interesting. But like a side... There are things that... A side version of Sora's dreams, I guess? See, there are things that that plot point explains. Sure. And there are things that makes it make absolutely no goddamn sense. Like, for example... How the hell did Riku, inside of Sora's dream, prevent a big box from crushing them? Yeah, I mean, well, that actually makes more sense than... No, I think that actually makes more sense, because, like, he could only do that if he was in the same dream as Sora. Um, so are you saying that, that in, in like I said before, sort of a Persona 5 changing the cognition way, by erasing that box as a threat in Sora's dream, it no longer registers as a threat in Sora's reality, which itself is a dream of a world. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, because he wasn't in the same place as Sora, so if he's going to be connected to Sora somehow, I guess he's got to be in his dream. Yeah, I mean, th- that was what um, Joshua was uh, alluding to in Traverse Town when he was like, your half of the dream, Riku, seems to be moving slower than Sora's half. Right. We've all seen Inception. Oh, God. Yeah, it is really just Inception, huh? Here's another thing that I think is interesting. What's uh, that? This reveal actually explains the mechanic of dropping, because when Sora is awake, Riku can't be awake because the dream stops existing. The dream gets sort of put, it's like on pause. Oh, yeah. So as soon as Sora falls asleep, Riku wakes up. Damn. Okay. Yeah. I think this also is implying that the organization have been magicking Sora to sleep throughout. Just to keep keep Riku, like, up to speed? Maybe. I'm not really sure. Maybe I'm taking that too far. <laughs> I'm losing confidence in that. Well, I mean, it, I, I, he does just fall asleep for no reason, and then we see that, they, that they're the ones that can make him fall asleep, so it might right. as well be that. Right. We do know that they can do that, so I, I'm kind of assuming that they've been doing it the whole time, which... I mean, I know that they're evil and it's, it's you know, sort of redundant to say this, but what assholes. The number of times that I had to refight Char Clobster because they put me to sleep halfway through. Not cool, guys. We need to make the game happen. <laughs> we need to justify the mechanics. Um, then a, a big dark portal opens under Riku's feet and he falls in. Sora is back in the world that never was, but he arrives the same place that he arrived in Kingdom Hearts 2. And he watches Donald, Goofy, and Mickey all, like, running off to fight Xemnas. 
and he he chases after them and he sees Namine and she runs away and he catches her and he starts to try to thank her for helping them but the camera pans around and she becomes Shion who he does not recognize and he is confused it's they do a thing that makes it seem like part of him recognizes Shion but but yeah he- yes because he he is surprised to find himself crying when he sees her oh that's right yeah i did i actually like that a lot i thought that was really cool so there is there is and you know this is kind of exactly what we learned at the end of coded is sora is going to be faced with the painful memories of other people that are in his heart this is basically that and they need to be rescued like that was like that was like the the that was kind of the Right, that was the important thing about the ending of Coded, is there's people that he needs to rescue, and they're the people that are connected to his heart that are still asleep. And that they needed to know that he was strong enough to face those things. Right, that's right. And yeah, he he sees Shion, he doesn't know who she is, but he knows that he knows her in some way. He tries to chase after her. Again, we get uh, Riku's dialogue from his version of the scene, yelling at him to wake up. I, I think it's cool that... As whenever Riku like yells at him to wake up, the world kind of warps a little bit. Like yeah. there's maybe a little bit of a of a stir where Sora's kind of aware that he's asleep, but then he just pushes through it and keeps chasing. <laughs> yeah, he's Sora, he's not gonna stop. The only thing that we know about Sora that matters is that he loves to walk forwards. <laughs> the game has to happen, like we said. That's right. <laughs> but there's content this way. <laughs> Uh, he catches up to uh, the robed figure of Shion. I didn't mention that she put her hood on. Uh, and she takes off her hood, and it's actually Roxas now. Yeah. This made me think, I'm I'm assuming that this isn't what the organization intended. I don't think they intended no. for him to get in touch with the memories in his heart that were sleeping. No, and uh, Zigbar will show up in a bit and say that explicitly, that no, this is not them. This is just dreams. But he seems like he's wrong. How do you mean? Well, because, like, he actually talks to Roxas for a little while in a way that seems like that's actually Roxas and not a dream. I think th- I think that it is. I think it's a dream, but I think that in his dream he is connecting with Roxas, who is also sleeping in his own heart. Cause, well, because especially, too, because uh, I noticed that when he's talking to Roxas, I think when he's talking to Shion, he's not little kid Sora anymore. He's He's present day Sora. Oh yes, that is a good point. Yeah. Throughout these scenes, Sora is like changing forms depending on like who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, I I think that I think that you're right though. I think that Roxas is in Sora's heart, and I think that when he's in this really deep sleep, I think he is actually able to connect with Roxas's heart. Yeah, and, and Shion's heart and Nominee not I don't think. I don't think that was actually Nominee. But maybe, no, I yeah. think those were memories of Shion. Well, no, because Shion is also in his heart, right. isn't she? That's what I mean. So I think he actually saw Shion for a second. Yes, I think I think you are right about that. And I think that Namine was just a memory in the same way a lot of these other right, things. Right, because Namine should be in Kyrie's heart, I think. Correct. Yeah. Um, or the datascape. That's that's data Namine. <laughs> it's a different person. Yes, and she can also write in the journal. Uh, so he talks to Roxas, and Roxas, you know, similar to what he said in Kingdom Hearts 2, he's like, it has to be you, Sora. And Sora's like, no, it could, you're, you're your own person. You're not of another version of me. You're you. You deserve your own life. And Roxas is like, 
well, that's why it has to be you, because you're the kind of person who would see it that way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Roxas is like, that's not how I would have seen it. So. <laughs> right. Which, fair enough. Roxas, if it was him, he absolutely would have been like, no, no, this is my, this is my life. I'm keeping it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I like um, that too. I think that's really good. This is the stuff that I think is really good. Yes. Uh, and we get basically the same thing that happened in Coded, the thing that uh, Data Sora was essentially created to experience and test the waters of is Roxas sort of takes Sora's hands and starts just like awakening his memories inside of Sora. And Sora, he sees the organization, he sees Virtual Twilight Town, Hainer Pensolet, uh, Roxas disappears and Sora's like, this sucks this this hurts i don't like this <laughs> yeah it's bad to know that you had to like wipe out someone else's existence to to keep going yeah which of course is why sora is now very invested in fixing that somehow mm-hmm. uh sora is back to being his dream drop distance baby self uh he kind of loses his cool and just starts yelling at no one in particular like what what do you want from me? What am I, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to get out of this? <laughs> and unfortunately for Sora, again, nothing in particular, these are just dreams. They just put him in dreams and the dreams are just whatever they are. Yeah. And it, this is sapping him somehow. That's why they're doing this. It would appear. Yes, they are. And again, this is very much what was happening with data. Sora encoded was as we start putting you through this trauma and we float the option of you could just embrace the darkness and let it all be over and you won't feel any of this pain. Will Sora do it? And of course we know from Data Sora, no, he was never going to start karate chopping <laughs> Waka and Selfie <laughs> just because he could. Uh, um, it, but I wish I wish that had been an option. And then you and then you get <laughs> and then you get a bad ending. But they I know they can't do bad ending to hearts, but uh, so again, Riku tries to wake him up. Uh, Sora doesn't hear him. He's very, very deep in the dreams now. Uh, he turns back into his Kingdom Hearts 2 self, which by the way, we keep saying it's his Kingdom Hearts 2 self. That is his real form right now at this point in his life. Right. Yeah. That, that is just who he is. <laughs> right. That's just who he is. Okay. He's, he's been transmogrified into a child, but that is just what he looks like normally. But he sees Riku and Kairi again. They're walking away from him. He can't, he can't see their faces. He's chasing after them. And they turn around to look at him, and they become Terra and Aqua, and they call him Ven, and he becomes Ventus. And he is very confused right now. Yeah, my notes are like, this must really freak Sora out, because he doesn't know anything about Ventus at this point. Or he, no. Yeah. He he does, I guess, probably remember Aqua, but Aqua should be the only birth-by-sleep person he knows. Yes, and he will, uh, very shortly, he will remember who Aqua is and why he recognizes her. Yeah, but Ventus, um, yeah, I but, am... which, anyway, I'll get back. There's a, there's a thing later with, when Ventus shows back up, and I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't really make sense to me, but okay. Every time I watch this scene, there is one thing that I am completely transfixed by, which is, did you notice the low-poly uh, Ventus hand? No. <laughs> No, I did not. The shot, the shot where they're reaching out to hold Ventus's hands... They all have like their low poly PSP gameplay model hands. Oh, good! <laughs> it looks really weird. Uh, it's not. It's not important. But I always stare directly at those hands whenever I watch the scene. Uh, <laughs> if I had noticed, I would have probably also stared at them. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll, I'll grab a screenshot whether you like it or not. Uh, so Sora, uh, he, they, they walk away again. They become Riku and Kairi again. He starts chasing them, but he, he feels himself slowing down. He can't catch up. Riku keeps trying to wake him up. Uh, but then he returns to the skyscraper very briefly and then flashes back to this. This one's a little bit different. I feel like, cause this flashback like starts with a light appearing in front of him. Is that maybe that's supposed to be like Ventus? I think so. Well, it reminded me. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Ventus because Ventus is a light in his heart. It, Cause it, you know what, it, you know what it uh, called back to is when he was in, in chain of memories when he's, I think, uh, was it Riku feeling despair? And Mickey shows up as an oh, orb of yeah. Mickey shows up as an as an orb of light to say like, "Hey, don't give up, buddy." Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I think it could just be the the bit of Ventus in his heart. I yeah, I I didn't really think about it when I was watching it, but yeah, I think this probably is Ventus sort of connecting with Sora and trying to like give him some strength, which leads Sora into a flashback to the day that he and Riku met Aqua as kids, but then. Ansem Seeker of Darkness pops in. Uh, well, I called him Seeker of Darkness. I don't remember if this was Brown Bag Ansem or Big Twelve Pack Ansem. <laughs> I think it's Twelve Pack Ansem. He he appears though and like launches Sora back out of the dream, uh, and Sora returns to the world that never was. This is where okay, Zigbar is back. He's waiting for him, and he he mentions uh like oh man that would have that would have really sucked it was so hard to put you in a sleep within a sleep and riku almost woke you and this is where sora is like did you put all those weird things in my head and zigbar's like we can't control what you dream about what are you talking about (laughs) it's a fair question because you guys did do something to control his dreams (laughs) that is very true but yeah i think all that they wanted was for sora to be in this weird like emotional dream state where they Mm. can sort of manipulate his heart um it it didn't have to be about roxas and shion and everyone but uh zigbar sarcastically thanks sora's heart for steering him into their clutches and he says oh god what is this line he's like Aren't hearts the worst? Steer us wrong every time. No, it's actually, it's actually, aren't our hearts great? Steers us aren't wrong. Aren't they great? <laughs> Steers us wrong every time. God, he is ridiculous. Uh, and uh, Sora finally understands something that people at this point in the Kingdom Hearts release timeline had been screaming at their TVs for so long. A thing that I talked about a lot when we were watching yes. Days happen because frankly they did not really put in the work to make it seem otherwise (laughs) (laughs) that's true nobody's very much do have hearts yeah or they're growing a heart yes kind of yeah so like brag has his heart popped out and becomes zigbar but it's only a matter of time before the combined being of the body and the soul that is a nobody start you know, it's sort of a fake until you make it. They go through the motions of acting like they have feelings, and the heart just kind of starts to grow on its own. Yeah, I like that, because it's like, you you can't have consciousness without emotion, you know, or something. So I think that's good. It's also uh, very consistent with something that has been established since the beginning of Kingdom Hearts, which is that things can grow hearts. Right. Traverse Town is a world that was, it only exists because people built it 
but it has a heart of a world. Or Pinocchio. Pinocchio, yeah, Pinocchio, he's a puppet who he was given life and he developed a heart. Yeah, so the fact that these hearts sort of grow into existence in the nobodies is very consistent with how we already understood that sort of thing to work. Uh, It is... I do wish that they did a better job pretending otherwise. They, you know, there's a couple of the of the um, nobodies that seem like they don't actually have emotions a little bit more, but not very many of them. Pretty much just yeah, Zen, I, pretty much just Zenmus, but he also obviously takes pleasure in stuff all the time. So <laughs> I do think that um, maybe this would work better. I don't know because like we see. In Chain of Memories, like, Zexion, like, and Vexen, like, begging for their lives, terrified. And, you know, we see we see Axel, even in Kingdom Hearts 2, before Days was even out, we see Axel being very clearly sad about what's going on with Roxas. And all we really ever had to go on otherwise was they kept telling us that it was just an act. But it was like, if it's an act, then... Their, like, goals and actions are informed by the emotions they're pretending to have. Which is the same. So, like, that doesn't make sense. Well, right. And, I mean, it is also, like, what's the difference between <laughs> pretending to have emotions and having emotions? Like, if if it's determined by, if you're reacting to stimuli and then reacting the way you would if you were emotional, then that's just being emotional. I, I don't know, you know? Right, and even to the point, it's not even just that they are in any given situation, acting like they would if they had feelings, they're letting those feelings guide their actions in their lives. Like, Axel abandons the organization and betrays them to try to get his friend back. Like, it it was always very clear that, of course, he has feelings, because if he doesn't, then it just doesn't make any sense. Well, and even the ones that seems like they wouldn't have feelings, like Syx... Syx gets mad at Axel for not playing along and stuff like that. Like, he wouldn't be mad at him if he didn't have emotions. Yeah, and I I do think that, yeah, like you said, I think that there are, and and Xemnas is about to show up and basically say this, I think that there are nobodies that we meet who do seem, like, less attuned to that sort of replacement heart than others. Like, it's very clear you know, Roxas is a weird case, but, like, Axel's a great example. By the end of Days, and by the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2, of course he has a heart. <laughs> like, it's yeah. it's unthinkable that he wouldn't. But then you think about, like, Zaldin. Does Zaldin have a heart? Like, he's very cold in the entire time that we know him. I, I could buy that he never started to grow a new heart. Or his is just small, uh, even, or less of one, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Even, like, Demix is a is a good example of, like, the last time that we encounter him, we get that scene where he's like, oh, no, please don't hurt me. And Sora, like, calls him out on pretending to have emotions, and he just sort of drops the facade, and it's like, silence, traitor, and then they fight. Like, yeah, that's one of those scenes where I'm like, okay, I could believe that this character actually is pretending to have a heart, but the the overall narrative that nobody's don't have hearts just never really <laughs> rings true at all well and sora you know sora's whole thing right is that he is stronger because of the connections he's made with with other people it's made mm-hmm. his heart stronger and so mm-hmm. like the the nobodies that have 
more developed hearts are the ones that are making connections, like Axel, who is making friends with Roxas and Shion. Um, Syx has his friendship. Like, he and Axel were good friends before, so they have their, like, friendship, you know? So I wonder uh, if it's, like, the other ones that just <laughs> they don't have a connection with these, with these other people. They have less of a, like, a heart or something. That could be it, except we know for a fact that they had the poker league. They did, but poker... They were all really close friends. <laughs> but the thing about... No, the thing about playing poker is you play it with motherfuckers that you hate. <laughs> Um, right, there's no way that Demix was friends with Larkseen. Although hatred is an emotion, so uh, <laughs> there's that. And actually, man, is that is that what is that what hearts are? Because like that would actually kind of explain like how like worlds have hearts, and like Pinocchio has a heart. That like people have connections to the places they live in, and so like it develops a heart. Hmm. That's that's an interesting way of thinking of it. Yeah. Yeah, and and that is that is how they how they talk about it so often is like the heart is weak on its own but becomes stronger as it connects with other hearts and of course the biggest connection of hearts of all is kingdom hearts which is the strongest thing that exists right yeah i think that makes sense uh uh yeah sora calls calls zigbar out and is like it's bullshit like you have a heart axel roxas nominee shion whose name he doesn't know yet he just calls her that other girl they all have hearts uh, you have to have a heart to cry, and I watched the entirety of Three Five Eight Days Over Two, so I know that Roxas was crying. <laughs> God, he ate so and much. Zimbar, he ate so much fucking he, ice cream. Oh does Zimbar literally say bingo? I think he does. Yeah, I think he says bingo. About time you noticed. And Zemnis shows up, and he says, uh, "Hearts are never lost for good." Uh, a number of us unquestionably showed signs of a burgeoning replacement. I wrote, fucking love the way Zemnis talks. Yeah, it's the best. I wrote down, yeah, I wrote down burgeoning replacement because that's great. Uh, and yeah, he says that all their experiments with the Heartless were attempts to control the mind and find a way to convince someone to renounce their sense of self, thereby their heart. Weird. But what they found is that a body without a heart will always try to replace it, quote, the first chance it gets as many times as it takes. Why were they trying to control the mind and remove the sense of self? They didn't really explain that. That is uh, Xehanort's weird experiments shit. And I think we I think we have gotten into that very lightly in some reports that we've already read. And I think we might get into it more in some future reports that we have yet to read. Okay. But yeah, don't worry about that too much right now. Okay. All you really need to know is we're evil. I guess maybe he's trying to make an army for his new Keyblade Keyblade War or something. I don't know. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, that could be it. They they just like doing science. They love it. Um, Sora is outraged. Why did you lie to them and tell them that they had no hearts? And Zigbar explains that the entire purpose of the organization from the beginning was to find 13 vessels without hearts. I almost said heartless, then I remembered that I can't. And fill them all with the same heart, Xehanort's heart. And this is where I go, how do you do that? How can you shove Xehanort's heart into multiple hearts? He's only got one heart. I mean, if you can replace a removed heart, I guess you can, like, carve off a little bit and it'll grow back. Is that the, <laughs> like is that the idea? Is he, is he, oh man, is he horcruxing himself into all these people? I didn't want it's to, I, possible, but there is another thing, which is oh. if we go all the way back to Kingdom Hearts 1 
and the original Ansem reports back when we thought that it was Ansem, the ruler of Hollow Bastion, uh, Xehanort wrote under Ansem's name that his experiments, one of the goals was to create a heart from nothing. So it is also possible that they have found a way of creating artificial Xehanort hearts. Do we ever learn if that's true? I can't remember if we know whether or not that is true. Because that's the thing I that's the thing I really got stuck on here, and I was like, okay, I believe that you can do that like one time, like you did to Terra Xehanort, or I guess like Ansem did to to Riku. But how are you going to do that more than once? Uh, other, I've always imagined it as him like slicing off little bits of his heart, putting them in almost as seeds, and then a full Xehanort heart growing over time. That's never really answered, but that's how I've imagined it. Okay, sure. All right. Yeah, I was just hoping to get more of the mechanics of how he does this. Oh, you know what? Could be data hearts. He could he could have uh finished <laughs> finished Ansem um Ansem's experiments. Here's why Kingdom Hearts recoded is the most important. It's the central point of the entire franchise that it all hinges on. Could be. Uh we get a classic Kingdom Hearts out of context moment. <laughs> Aren't you just Aren't you scared of just turning into someone else? Me? I'm already half Xehanort. That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess actually to your point about it being seeds of Xehanort, that would make sense if he was half. If he's not full Xehanort, then yeah, his entire heart isn't Xehanort. Yeah. Because uh, um, he's clearly still doing a lot of Zigbar stuff. Way back when, when I was brainstorming podcast titles, one of them was just, that's nuts. <laughs> that's nuts. That's nuts! <laughs> uh, when he says that he's half Xehanort, we zoom in on his bright yellow eye, which we, of course, know from Birth by Sleep, that is, he had, like, dark brown eyes. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back suddenly and has a big yellow eye. Uh, the bright yellow eyes are a telltale sign that someone has been norded. We finally got there. <sighs> yeah, and didn't did some of the... Organization members have yellow eyes before, other than Zenmus and Zigbar? Yes. Yeah, they did. Uh, there is one other member who had pointy ears, which Zigbar also has, and bright yellow eyes, and that is Saix. Saix, that's right. Okay. Now, I've got a lot of theories about Saix and why he was the only other one to have been... Even even going all the way back, even, even in days, like at the, from the very beginning... We have never seen a version of Saix in the same way that we've never seen a version of Zigbar without the yellow eyes and pointy ears. So all the way back then, they already had Xehanort's heart put into them. And why is that? That we don't really know. It's possible that they were sort of like testing grounds for what happens if we put a little bit of my heart in a nobody. Um, I've got my theories, we don't know the answer just yet, but it is very much worth noting that Zigbar, who was a collaborator of Xehanort's from the start, got Norded, and Saix, who we have no reason to believe was a collaborator of Xehanort's, also got Norded. Yeah. Did, was he... Because he was Norded by the end of uh, Birth by Sleep, right? Um, Did, we, In Birth by Sleep, we only see him as a teenager, we never see him as Saix in Birth by no, Sleep. No, I mean Bra- uh, Bragg, Zigbar. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He He's already Norded before he's even a nobody. Yeah, right. He was, yeah, he was Norded as a, yeah, okay. 
Which, which interestingly does mean that, uh, I mean, we know that Xehanort can take someone's heart out. That also seems to suggest that he did that to Braig and put his own heart in there. Yeah. In some form. Or some part of it, yeah. Yeah, because when they have their final fight, their final fight at the Keyblade Graveyard, he's already got a yellow eye, which he didn't have earlier. That's right. Yeah, I guess, hmm, I am wondering where they got Xehanort heart, where they had it on ice to put into Saix, because at that point, there was no Xehanort anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. And that that makes me lean away from the, like, artificial hearts and more towards, like, Keyblade Master with knowledge of the hearts carving his heart apart. It's possible that he, as old man Xehanort, put some of his heart in Zigbar, and it's possible that he, as apprentice Xehanort, Un, like recovered enough of his memories and his understanding of hearts to do that to Saix also. Could be. Yeah, you know what? Actually, you know what I remembered is we have some precedent for there being a bit of a heart in a heart. Well, actually, a bunch of times we have precedent for that. But Oh, yeah. Um, I was, That's what this game is about. I was thinking about Chain of Memories where Riku is struggling with the little bits of Ansem that are still in his heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sora right here, right now, has Ventus and Roxas and Shion in his heart. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But I just mean more like in the way that uh, Ansem was growing to try to take over Riku's heart again. That, oh, yeah. That, yeah that's yeah, what I mean gotcha. more than um, just being in your heart. Come to think of it, uh, I was I was thinking that maybe Xehanort, Apprentice Xehanort, that is like recovered his memories and knew what to do to Saix. He didn't need to because... Zigbar was colluding with him the whole time, or Bragg was rather. Oh yeah, Zigbar already had. He was already part Xehanort. <laughs> yeah, Maybe and not. he has been for a long time now. Yeah. So yeah, he apprentice Xehanort would know everything that he needs to through Zigbar, who could come to think of it. We've had this question that we've been asking. I hope that no one's been screaming at their computer or phone or whatever this whole time. This question of. How did Apprentice Xehanort know as much as he seemed to of the master plan? He was working with Zigbar. Zigbar could have told him anything he needed to know. As long as uh, Master Xehanort would have told him ahead of time. Yeah, that's true. I think there's I think there's limits to that. I doubt that Zigbar knew the whole plan. But I'm sure that he was in on a lot of it. I keep saying Zigbar. Break, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, is this Break or Zigbar that we're dealing with now? Right now, this is Zigbar. So he got... Huh, so they re-ejected his heart at some point? Or maybe yeah, and that that was uh, at the end of Coded when Bragg Human is like, all right, young Xehanort, who are we going to turn into a nobody first? And he says Saix. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so presumably shortly after that, he also took out uh, Bragg's heart and turned him back into Zigbar. Hmm. Which I don't really know why yeah, he needed to why? do that, considering <laughs> that he already is half Xehanort, and he already has, like, teleportation gun powers. Yeah, doesn't seem necessary, but... Oh, well. Oh, well, yeah. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe it makes it easier for the Xehanort to grow. I think that we actually do see that his, like, warping powers are enhanced as Zigbar compared to Bragg. Maybe. Hmm. So maybe nobody's do just have <laughs> superpowers. I don't know. Uh. Anyway, so... Yeah, Xemnas says that in one way or another, most of the original organization were proved inadequate uh, through weakness of body, will, or trust. But 
they they expected that they they didn't think that the original run was going to do it in the first place yep he calls this the organization's closing assignment <laughs> and sora is pissed off he says uh stop talking about hearts like they're bottles on a shelf which i do like i like that a lot yeah and he starts to give the my friends are my power speech and zigbar cuts him off and says duh <laughs> yeah like, yeah, we know that your heart is stronger because of its ties to other people. The Keyblade would never have chosen a wimp like you. Right, which is saying, like, you're not strong. You weren't strong on your own, so the Keyblade didn't choose you. You just got strong over time because you're friends. Right. Which I don't get why that distinction matters, because he's strong now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Zigbar's just an asshole. That's true. Uh, but Sora says he it, he it doesn't matter to him uh, that the Keyblade didn't choose him. Because he's a part of something bigger, the people it did choose. My friends, they are my power. And we're all clapping. He said, he said, yeah, he said the line. Yeah. Um, uh, he gets stanced up with his keyblade in front of all of his, like, dream versions of, of his friends. Yeah, this did still feel weird to me because then he's got, like, um, he's got fucking um ventus is one of his friends and like i know ventus is in your heart but you're not his friend you've never talked to this you've never <laughs> talked to this little guy this is sora we're talking about ventus is his best friend i suppose ventus he's met terra even less than he's met ventus and terra is here <laughs> true i guess ventus has been with his heart ever since he was a baby yeah and i guess he did fight terra's lingering will true that's that's the ultimate friendship. If you're, I guess they are all his friends. If you're a Goku, that's the ultimate friendship is having a fight. That's true. Oops, editing correction. I completely forgot that Sora met Terra on the Destiny Islands in Birth by Sleep with Riku. My bad. Sorry, Terra. Ooh, we should talk about Dragon Ball Z for the whole episode. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that instead. Um, <laughs> Zigbar seems like genuinely caught off guard by this. He's like, those those are just words. You've already lost. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but it is funny to see Zigbar, like, thrown off like this. Well, I guess it's just they thought he'd be weak and lying on the ground and not fighting back. Yeah, I guess so. Um, this is something that I like, uh, because this is the new organization. Presumably, we have to assume that Master Xehanort is the number one, which means that Xemnas is no longer Zigbar's boss. So Zigbar's just like, whatever, you deal with him, Xemnas, <laughs> and he just leaves. Yeah. I mean, in some ways... Well, I was going to say, is Zigbar more Xehanort than Zenmus? Because Zenmus is technically a, a Xehanort who you've ejected the heart out of. And I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about that some more. I'm looking up this second Organization 13 and the numerical rankings. Do we have those? Not really. Not in the same way that we did with the original Organization. Uh, on the kh wiki list they put xemnas above zigbar but i think the only important thing is that master xehanort is in charge right that's a real shame we'll have to keep an eye out for who sits in the tallest chair <laughs> that's, oh right because we know that's how it works and they do move up and down and we do go to chair room in this part yeah he's on the bottom great though. to see it again um so sora fights xemnas he wins obviously but Sora, he's weakened, and he, he feels like he can't sort of resist the creeping darkness at this point. And young Xehanort shows up and starts taunting him, because we know, if there's one thing we know about young Xehanort, it's that he is a dick. <laughs> he is aggressive. 
and he is a he's a little shit. He hasn't learned to wiggle his fingers yet, but he's still still a big asshole like he will be as an old man. That's right. Oh, man. And hopefully in the Dark Road origin story, we'll see the first time he wiggles his fingers. Oh, I hope so. Unfortunately, no. Uh, but yeah, he starts taunting Sora. You know, you lost when this all started. There's no way you're ever going back home now. Uh, we laid this path out for you from the beginning. And I alluded to this earlier. That sigil, the big white X that we put on your shirt, is how we tracked you. Okay. Now, have we come across the term recusance sigil before? I don't think so. Okay. It's fine that I've said it now. We'll we'll hear the words at some point. That sounds the... like that sounds like Dragon Age stuff. <laughs> the the sigil of the X. God knows it's recurring through Kingdom Hearts. It's a most That's ancient true. letter. That, yeah. Uh, we will find that the letter X, in addition to being the coolest letter to name your website, it also has some sort of magical powers that Xehanort uses to sort of keep tabs on people. Hmm. They, they marked him with this big white X on his shirt. That's how they followed him throughout all the worlds the whole time. They, uh, we can assume then... That Xemnas, who was marking everyone with X's, probably was doing the same. Oh, yeah. Because he's a terrible boss. <laughs> yeah, it's that spyware on your computer. Yeah, he was installing stuff to see if they were, like, playing solitaire at work. Yeah, if you're, like, mouse isn't moving enough, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> Larxene jiggling the mouse from time to time, so Xemnas is like, My son, the, X on, uh, the X on the mouse is moving enough. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we did, we did get to see the time that Xemnas gave Roxas his name and very literally we watch as he puts a huge ominous X sigil into the name. Right. True. Oh, that's why so they do it. We, so yeah, we have to assume that, that that has been a thing with all of these X names. Um, hmm. now I'm going to, uh, lightly tease a future crackpot corner I don't know this. This is just a theory that is almost entirely baseless. Great. It does make you wonder if Xehanort's name has an X in it from the first place because he has been watched by some sort of otherworldly force or power or puppet master. Could be. Yeah. I have no evidence of that. That's just something I'm keeping an eye on. <laughs> or whoever his parents are. Well, there's a there's a whole can of worms. Really? Um, It's... it's... <sighs> I, I don't want to say it's a plot point, but the question of who his parents are has been relevant in in recent games. What is was he born from the Force and Metaclorians or something? Or like what do we what do we deal with? <laughs> I, I don't think that's what it is, but uh I'll just say the topic of his parents is relevant in Dark Road. Hmm. It's not super relevant. But it is something. That's good. I don't want to get... I don't need bloodline shit in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, well, you're not going to like Missing Link then from what I've heard about it. Oh, <laughs> I think that's literally what the game is about. God damn it. That's like the one, the one thing Kingdom Hearts hasn't had, has, hasn't had up to this point. I guess it didn't have time travel either till now, so... Yeah, I mean, it, it did have bloodlines in the first game, but then Sora forgot about his mom. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who? So, uh, Sora is informed by uh young Xehanort and by Xemnas that he is to be or sorry Xemnas I think is gone at this point mm -hmm. um 
Xehanort tells Sora that he is to be the 13th vessel of the organization. Oh no. Xehanort tells him that all of his selves throughout time were destined to gather here today to welcome Sora as their 13th member. These facts cannot be changed. And Sora is basically unable to move at this point. And he says, what's going to happen to me now? And Xehanort just goes, I don't know. My future self probably knows. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, he, I think he says the version of me that brought me here hasn't seen past this moment. So I have no way of knowing. Like, we're, we're, we're in uncharted territory at this point, even in the realm of time travel. Right, because this, well, this is the convergence point for all Xehanorts, right? So this, this is as far as they go, basically. Right, right, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, and he, he explains that when all of this is over, uh, I'm just going to pop back to where I came from, to when I came from. And I will not remember any of this. My memories will not come with me as I return to my original time, but they will be etched onto my heart and they will lead me to feel restless and to want to seek the outside world. And all of this will set me unknowingly on the path to grow up into an old bald bitch who wiggles his fingers. (laughs) That's right. And Sora falls asleep. He's bored. He wasn't listening. Man. Well, I guess I don't know what the end of this game is, but how wild would it be if you got to Kingdom Hearts 3 and they're like, you're not playing Sora, you're playing Riku because Sora is fucking part of Organization 13 and we got to go like rescue him. Well, I guess we'll find out next week if that is what happens or not. No, I'd say, but that'd be cool. I'm just saying like, you're a person that didn't play Dream Drop Distance because it was on a console you didn't own and you've gone from Kingdom Hearts 2 to Kingdom Hearts 3 and you boot uh-huh. up Kingdom Hearts 3 and, then you're not, and you're not Sora, you're Riku because Sora is now a Xehanort. <laughs> that would be a hell of a thing. I kind of wish they'd done that now that I've said that. That would be great. Yeah, okay, fine. That didn't happen. We can we can, we can, can lay that out. I know that, that didn't is not happen. what happens here. I watched, I watched my, oh, my wife, actually. I almost said girlfriend. My wife played the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 3 at one point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> had she played Dream Drop Distance? No, she has played Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2 and about two hours of Kingdom Hearts 3. And, and then she said, you know what? I think I've grown out of this. <laughs> that is the exact experience that I had when I played Kingdom Hearts 3, having not played Dream Drop Distance. But it turned out I was wrong. <laughs> I just hadn't done my research yet. Right. <laughs> We go to chair room. Hooray, we're back. Sora sits on the lowest chair. Aw, he's a little boy, and he's all tuckered out. Sora definitely has the look in this scene of, like, the the little kid who fell asleep in the car on the long drive home. Yeah, well, he's just so tuckered out. <laughs> Xemnas is gonna come in and, like, carry him to his room. <laughs> uh, Sora starts to descend into the darkness, and an orb of light, which we have we haven't seen these that many times, weirdly in Kingdom Hearts, but this is a heart. This is what a heart is. Mm-hmm. It follows him, and it turns into Ventus's armor. And as Sora sinks into the darkness, he is protected by Ventus's heart. I thought that was cool. That was cool to see. Yeah, and it's cool to see Sora wearing cool armor. Yeah, and he he has landed on like a dive to the heart. You don't get to see what's on the stained glass, though. Yeah, probably just the usual stuff. I was trying to tell if it was different, um, but I, I really couldn't, so. Yeah, we don't get a good look uh, look at it, which means it's probably just like Riku, Kairi, Donald, Goofy, the usual. Yeah. Uh, 
Meanwhile, it's Riku's turn to play the game again. <laughs> He's in a big dark void. Ansem is talking to him. Seeker of Darkness, of course. And he explains what Riku's been up to for the entirety of this game, which is that he's such a he's such a good friend that when all of this started and Brown Bag Ansem started to fuck with Sora, Riku, in a state of mostly sleep, instinctively jumps into Sora's dream as they enter the realm of sleep to protect him. What do you make of that? I I don't know. I guess so. He said it ha- he said it happened, so it happened. See, that's another one of those moments where I'm like, I what does that mean though? Like what did he do? <laughs> like if we cut to that happening, how did he do that? <laughs> you know? Uh through the- Did Sora have like a like a cartoon thought bubble above his head and Riku jumped into it? Yeah, I mean it's unclear. I guess he was heading into the world of dreams anyway, and he just went to a dream. I don't know. I guess. Maybe that makes sense. I don't Maybe think that it makes really sense. does, but uh, but you know, we mentioned all the way back at the start of this that Riku has a cool sigil on his back. I don't remember if I explicitly said at the time because we didn't know about the Dream Eaters yet. But Riku, this entire time, has had the Dream Eater symbol on his back, and that is because he is effectively a Dream Eater in Sora's dreams. He's fighting the nightmares to protect Sora. Yeah, I wish he was. I wish he was all rainbow colored too. That'd be cool. <laughs> I wish that. I don't know if we ever talked at all because it's so irrelevant to the plot. Did we ever talk about the, like, Dream Eater, like, petting zoo feature? No, I don't think at so. At any point in the game, you can pause to go into a little menu where you feed your Dream Eaters and you can pet them. And you can, you can like, use paintballs to, like, change the color of their fur. You can do mini games with them where you play pinball with them in wow. big bubbles underwater. Man, I wish that there was, if you, like, beat a secret boss, then Riku, you like, Sora could go pet Riku in his um Dream Eater That's what zoo. I'm saying. Yeah. And- Riku should be a pinball. Yeah. Ooh, Kingdom Hearts pinball, pinball game. That'd be good. When I was a kid, honestly, like, one of my favorite Sonic the Hedgehog games was Sonic Spinball. Yeah, pinball games are good. I don't know if Sonic Spinball was good. I mean, Pokemon Pinball, that was a classic. I think I played that about as much as I played actual Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. What was that game that came out The uh, where you're like a snail that's a pinball? You're like delivering letters? That game was really I good. love that game. That game was really Nobody, good. I, that game is so underappreciated. Yoku's Island Express. You are a dung beetle that's who right. is a mailman. That game kicks so much And you push around ass. your big ball of poop and it is a pinball. That game kicks so much ass. It's so good. <laughs> I... I, I actually started replaying that game not too long ago. Oh, wow. I fucking love that game. People should Yoku's Island Express. It's a pinball Metroidvania. It goes play it. It goes really deep too. Like there's like it's so good because I think there's like secret ending stuff too that I didn't. I don't think I got all of it. Oh, I don't know if I maybe I I don't know if I found any of that. I guess I wouldn't know. Well, I feel like there was a lot of like hidden collectibles and stuff, and I assume mm-hmm. it would be for secret ending stuff. I guess maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. to look into that. Yeah, because I am still playing it. Okay. Everyone play that game. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, Ansem starts taunting Riku. Uh, you know, the, we, we, I don't remember if he says it explicitly, but this was supposed to be Riku. If all had gone as planned, Riku was the darkness boy who would have been very, like, uh, prone to their manipulations. But Ansem says it here, uh, and actually, uh, uh, <laughs> Young Xehanort said it before, 
what fucking use are you to us if you're immune to the darkness? <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that. Yeah. You could have you could have been the vessel, Riku. Come on. Uh and yeah, he he's like taunting Riku. He's like you failed to protect him because you locked away your power over darkness. And if you set the darkness free, you can still save your friend. You know, it, this is classic Xehanort shit. He's always got 5,000 irons in the fire. You never know. This can be the backup for the backup. Yeah. Ma- yeah I ma- mean, at that point, he's basically a backup for his own backup. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Riku is like, you know, Ansem, you're a former Keyblade wielder. You should understand why I'm doing all this. Because you lost your heart to darkness and can't use the Keyblade. And I am on this journey t- in the first place because I want to know if I'm worthy of it. And it's it's true that it's pointless to hold the darkness back. I'm going to consume the darkness and turn it into light. Yeah, I was uh, intrigued by that. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if I should take that literally or not. The point is he's going to beat up Ansem with his Keyblade and win a boss fight. That is, yeah, that is what you should take away from that. <laughs> and he does, and it's uh, very impressive. Ansem is in a giant cum guardian, and this time he's in his womb. Uh, oh my god, yeah, I totally forgot about this, is that he summons the cum guardian who creates, like, a big darkness bubble around him. Like, normally he just, like, floats behind Ansem's shoulder, but this boss fight is, like, a long hallway, and Ansem is just, like, stuck in one place inside of a big bubble. Yeah, it's really it's really weird looking. It's kind of cool. I yeah, it it is a cool setup. I can't remember if I hated this fight or not. I think I probably did. I hated a lot of boss fights in Dream Drop Distance. Seems like a hard game, maybe. Yeah. Uh I played this one on Proud and I think I regretted that by the end. Ah. Uh Riku uh sometimes Proud mode is completely manageable. Other times it's a bunch of bullshit. Uh the Guardian, the Come Guardian, excuse me. Uh, reaches out to Riku, and Riku sort of imitates him and holds up his keyblade, and the guardian retreats, the come guardian retreats, and Riku remembers his promise to Terra that he made over the keyblade to begin with. Strength to protect what matters. And he's he's firmed his resolve, he's gonna eat the darkness and and make light out of it. He goes back to the skyscraper. We finally get a title card for the world that never was, implying that he has actually broken out of Sora's dream finally. Yeah, um, and is he is he his actual self now? He's not his kid self, I think, right? He is still his kid self. Um, oh, man, why does that happen? Oh. That's a great question. That is actually a thing that a lot of uh, Kingdom Hearts fans have tried to make sense of. The general consensus is uh, Yen Sid's magic inexplicably will not turn them back to normal until they return to the tower, but I don't think there's any reason that that would be how the magic works. So I think probably all that it is, is that uh, that's the form that they are in. And they didn't want to, like, import the combat animations and model and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 that's fair. <laughs> for their other forms. That's fair. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I, I shouldn't have interrupted this because it's my favorite scene other than stink bag on a beach. Well, it's our last scene for this week as Riku reaches the castle and it's across this huge chasm, just like it was in Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, how's he going to get over there? How am I going to get over there? And then the music starts playing. (laughs) I hope you can insert the music here. Oh, they're hearing it. Okay, good. Uh, 
yeah, I can't remember. We've definitely heard the Dream Eater music at least once, because I know we will have heard it, like, when Sora and Riku were introduced to them. Mm-hmm. Probably. This is the minigame petting zoo menu of music, of course. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it is It is the official Dream Eater theme. The Dream Eaters do come up in a few other contexts in future games. Not that much, but not none. And this theme will always play for Dream Eaters, and it will always be incredibly jarring. <laughs> very jarring to be happening in the world that never was. Yeah, it's like a spooky, like, levitating gray castle made of, like, crushed up skyscraper chunks. It's like a metal cyberpunk universe. <laughs> yeah, and we're just hearing the silliest music you ever did hear, and this is, I don't know if this will have come across uh, when you're only watching the cutscenes, Uh the dream eater that appears in the castle and is like gesturing to Riku, which means that it's like shaking its big funny butt and rolling around. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a meow wow. And it's the first uh, dream eater that Sora learned how to summon Riku. Meanwhile, he finds he like uh, one, uh, a bat one called a Komori bat appears behind him. That's the first dream eater that Riku learns to summon. So it's kind of implying that that is Sora's dream eater and Riku's dream eater, and they're trying to, like, urge him forward. Yeah, the bat actually lands on his shoulder, as you can see on my co-host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's very cute. And it's a big, bright rainbow and pink bat, and Riku is still a little boy, and he's like, what the hell is going on here? And he looks at these silly animals smiling at him, and then he goes, I understand now. And that is where we're stopping, uh, which, again, I, I mean, I can't even imagine what that moment seemed like when you were only watching it as a cutscene. <laughs> it seemed like the best, one of the best parts of Kingdom Hearts, I, is what I thought. <laughs> All that happens here in the game is that he says, oh, I need to use a reality shift, which will create a big grind rail. That's all that it is. I assume that's what it was going to be, but I was just like, oh, that's so good. I love these little guys and the the music coming in. I'm glad I hadn't heard that music before because I kind of almost didn't know what I was hearing at first. <laughs> it, like, oh, I'm having a stroke, huh? And I guess Sam just played it, but it is like it's music that you could you you would maybe expect to find in like Katamari, not in not in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> it kind of is Katamari music, yeah, uh, yeah. It's or or it's like music that you would hear backing a kickstarter promo video for like a brand of shampoo for babies yeah yeah i guess so that's very specific is that too specific or is it just specific enough i think i can understand what you're getting at yeah okay it's it's like baby bath time music (laughs) (laughs) okay yes it is pretty funny to think about this moment where riku understands how to reach castle oblivion uh uh, not castle oblivion the castle that never was i think it's called based on the help of the funny meow wow and komori bat because when Sora got here in Kingdom Hearts 2, I think it was his connection with Kairi that, like, resonated with her heart and created a bridge for him. Well, yeah, and he's resonating with Sora. With his funny little friends. With his friends. <laughs> uh, that is it for this part of Kingdom Hearts. Next time we will finish the world that never was. But, yeah, I I love the end of Dream Drop Distance. It's 
in so many ways, it's a complete mess. And it's just full of things that way overcomplicate the world and don't make any sense. But it's also the best part of the game. Yeah, and again, I am like losing my mind that this is a side game on a <laughs> on a 3DS that like I mean any any true Kingdom Hearts fan will tell you there is no such thing as a Kingdom Hearts side game. <laughs> this is core plot. I mean, this is maybe the most important game. Yeah, like if you skip uh Chain of Memories, at least you're confused in the same you're like synced up with Sora cuz you're like Okay, Sora went on an adventure and then lost his memories of it. So, like, anything I need to know, they'll tell me. This one, if you skip this game, good fucking luck. Right, yeah, and, like, Birth by Sleep, I could believe that you could kind of get brought into that through the, through the story, you know? Um, I don't know if they do it that way, but it feels like you could be sort of brought into that, because, like, not... Some really important things happen in Birth by Sleep, but not that many things happen in Birth by Sleep. So it seems like this I think the thing I think the main thing you'd be lost on is you've never met Xehanort properly. God, that's true. You've never met Xehanort like and you can you can kind of treat a lot of the Terra Aquaventa stuff as like teasers and like things that intrigue you of like who was the mysterious heart that saved Sora in the darkness? Who was that lady that they met as children? Like those are things that you can treat as like, ooh, I, I'll go back to the prequel game and learn what that was all about. But yeah, I can't imagine playing this without knowing who actually Xehanort is. Yeah. You wouldn't know about his connection to Brag and Zigbar. You wouldn't know about like why he had lost his memories. I guess that's not super relevant. Yeah. Well, in Dream Drop Distance actually is like really dependent on all of it though, because you would need to have played Days as well, and like yes, yes, yeah. absolutely, and that that is something that I have always said about Dream Drop Distance is that it is this really weird bottleneck where it needs everything before it for you to know what's going on, and everything that comes after it makes no sense if you didn't play it. <laughs> Yeah, arguably, I think you still maybe wouldn't need Coded, even though you pointed out some of the parallels to Coded that are here. I don't think they're actually necessary still. Yeah, I think Coded I think Coded is the least important game in the franchise. It's the closest there is to being a side game, but it also does bridge a lot of things. Yeah, I And it's short enough that it's like, I might as well. <laughs> so I don't recommend that people skip Coded. But if you're going to skip any of them, it's that. Yeah, you, you're... It, coded, you could read a Wikipedia summary and I think get most of the same stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I skipped Dream Drop Distance originally and thought that I didn't like Kingdom Hearts anymore. I thought that I had grown out of it. Yeah. I guess I... I didn't. I guess I need to buy my wife Dream Drop Distance and make her play it. <laughs> oh, you don't uh, sit her down and force her to listen to your podcast? No, I think she has listened to some episodes, though, but not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I respect everyone's right not to listen to this podcast. Except for you, listener. You have to. That's that's right. You're you're already in. You're not getting out of it that easy. That's right. Uh, do we go to the wiki? It, this has been a long one. I do have a short one. Yeah, let's do a short wiki. A very short one. Mm -hmm. This is Great Barrier Reef from the Kingdom Hearts fan and wiki. A world based on Walt Disney's film Flipper and Tranulla, which was released in 2042. Oh, here we go. And we have a cast list. Sora as a Aboriginal boy. Uh-oh. So we're we're starting out with some race changing. Um, 
All right. Well, I'm starting to feel a little weird about it, but okay. Donald Duck as an Aboriginal duck. Don't know what that means. I don't, yeah. What's what is it? I looked that up in case that's a species of duck. It's not. Hmm. Goofy as a sea turtle, of course. Yes. Well, yeah, he has to be. And then, of course, from Flipper and Tranella from 2042, we have Flipper, a bottlenose dolphin, Tranella, an Aboriginal boy, and Dexter, the evil giant octopus. Uh, what would you like to hear about next? Uh, gameplay or story? I want to hear where the gameplay's like. I hope it's... Oh, a- uh, bad news. That's the whole article. Oh, uh, boy. This is Wish Us Duck. This is Wish Us Duck. I found a different article about Great Barrier Reef, actually, on uh, the Kingdom Hearts fan wiki. What? <laughs> yeah. This article is barely an article... Um, uh-huh. it says one of the places of sea planet, the great barrier reef, a world as it, as it appeared in universe XP kingdom Hearts series. Wait, is it like spelled differently? Great. Oh yeah. There's great barrier reef. UXP. Wait, there's four. <laughs> there's great barrier reef. K H D W great barrier reef. UXP and great barrier reef kingdom hearts two and a half. Yeah. I'm looking at UXP. Cause I tried to just, I tried to just like search for this while you were talking so I could look at it. Um, and I found this instead. I've, it's got a great cast, though. I, I do want to read this real quick before we go on. We've got Marlin. You know, he's a clownfish that lives in two sea worlds. Uh, Dory, uh, a bluefish that it, that is apparently looks like a whale. <laughs> okay. I guess this person has never seen tropical fish. Uh, Nemo, a little clownfish, and then we've got Bloat, Gurgle, and Deb. They have no descriptions. Um, and I don't remember if those were... Oh, uh, Gurgle and Deb were in the movie. I don't see Bloat. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. That's oh, no, I... there is Bloat. Yep. Oh, okay. I just... Okay, I assumed that they were, like, self-insert characters or something because they didn't have descriptions, but I guess they just got tired partway through making this article. <laughs> um, that's all I got to uh, say about this. I just thought it was kind of... I just liked a blue fish that is apparently looks like a whale. I love that by 2042, the Great Barrier Reef becomes the new France of Kingdom Hearts, where it's like he keeps going to different <laughs> worlds that are the Great Barrier Reef from different movies. Yeah, I mean, he could, totally. This is Wish Us Duck. This is Wish Us Duck. The segment where we try to sound like Donald Duck. This- I was practicing the other day, and it sounded so good, which means it's going to be my worst yet. I have not practiced at all. You know, I'm sticking with the original, you know, uh, <laughs> concept for the segment. And, and I'm sticking with the original concept that I thought was the concept <laughs> of the set. That's right. Mostly it's because I, I I forget about it till right now, every week. I usually will, like, drop off Lauren at work, and then I come back, and then I remember, and then I start doing Donald Duck voice alone in my empty home. Nice. And that's my life, pretty much. Uh, what should we say in Donald's voice? Zigbar talked this week, so surely it's something he said. Yeah, he did say I jacked it, um, which I would say. <laughs> say that? Yeah, that's that's what he did to to um, his his like journey. He said I jacked it. I freaked it. Um, he also aren't our hearts great? Steer us wrong every time. They steer us wrong every time. I'd rather avoid the letter J because I don't know how to say that as Donald. Okay. Um. Wow. So we could we could do we could do aren't our hearts great? Steer us wrong every time. We could do I'm what nightmares fear. We could do I'm a Nightmare's Fear. We have, you must be wondering about your revised itinerary. Oh, I gotta tag out. Still got some hoops I gotta jump through. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'll give it a go. Yeah, that's good. Okay, now here I go. Oh, <laughs> 
Okay. Let me know when you're going to say it now that you're done warming up. Oh, yeah. Okay, let me... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. It's gotten worse again. I could not. I was lost in those noises. I don't know where we are. Okay. I think I heard through at the very end there. Yeah. Here, just for good measure, let me give you a I'm what nightmares fear. Yeah. I'm what nightmares fear. The trouble is, I don't think it would be at all clear that that's what I'm saying if I didn't tell you first. I, I don't know. Yeah. It sounds pretty good, though, to me. Um, it does sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no questions this week. Everyone understands everything here perfectly. Now they do. <laughs> they they thought they did before they listened, and now they double do. That's right. Uh, that's it then. We're on co-host at Sounds About Light. I'm on co-host at Positive Stress. And you can listen to my other podcast, Dr. Huh, which will be updating soon. We thought we thought that we would be able to record an episode this weekend. It didn't happen. We, I've I've watched Hellbent twice now. I don't want to want to. Ha- I don't want to have to watch it three times. So oh hopefully we'll get that episode recorded soon. Also, uh, by the time this episode goes up, the final question mark episode of Henry Kissinger is Pokemon going to die should be up because folks, he did. We did it. I, I didn't do it. I cannot emphasize that enough. I didn't do it. Oh, I just mean like, you know, we've all been putting our energy out there and it finally happened. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we have recorded the final episode. I haven't edited it yet, but by the time you hear this, it should be up. Hooray. Hooray. Um, oh, I'm on coast at Achilles Heelys. I got nothing else. Um, I, I do want to maybe go back and finish streaming Path of Neo sometime, so maybe I'll do that, and I'll I'll let people know before I do that. Do it. Yeah. So if you want to come in uh, halfway through a Path of Neo stream that I started yeah. two years ago, then th- that'll <laughs> be the stream for you. Oh, man, I got to see if I can find my Morpheus classes before I do it again. That would be cool. I don't know if you... Yeah, you probably didn't see it, but when I did stream it, I it's the only time I've ever streamed with a camera up, and I put a Matrix background on, and I bought little Morpheus glasses to wear while I streamed. Did you do that for the whole... Th- I definitely caught some of it. I can't remember if I saw that. I did do it for the whole but yeah. I must have seen it then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we are hosted on noisepace.xyz, where you can find other podcasts like Diet Coke and Lilith's House of Snacks, The Sonic Shuffle, Video Game the Movie the Podcast, and Pot of Greed. Those are the ones that have updated the most recently, besides ours, as of this moment. <laughs> Good. And I'm not plugging us. No. No, you're already here. I guess I am. I guess that's the whole podcast, huh? What is a podcast, if not a plug? Hmm. Huh. It makes you think. Uh, yep, that's it. That's it. Like we say at the end of every episode. Keyblade. Keyblade. Hey, we're going to see him next week. Oh, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. I, I don't remember if he wiggles his fingers, but he has to. He yeah, has to. He has for to, me. Has to. If he won't, I'll just go watch it, footage of it. <laughs> I'll just hold my hands in front of the screen and wiggle my fingers. <laughs> Bye. Bye. A heart is never lost for good. There may have been variances in our dispositions, but a number of us unquestionably showed signs of a burgeoning replacement. Why then? Why did you lie to them and tell them they had no hearts? 
Xemnas and Xehanort formed the organization for a specific reason. They were going to turn all the members into Xehanort. Make more Xehanorts? You tricked your friends to... But you, aren't you scared of just turning into someone else? Me? I'm already half Xehanort. That's nuts! 